Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Studio on iHeartRadio. My name's Jordan Runtog, but enough about me. My guest today is a Nashville-based singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and all-around good dude. You've likely experienced his seemingly boundless positivity on albums like The Walking In Between and Brand New. Like so many of us during the pandemic, he turned to music for solace. In the process, he rediscovered the healing and even somewhat mystical properties of song. Now, unlike so many of us, he channeled this rekindled passion into a multimedia extravaganza. Appropriately called The Joy of Music, this ambitious project encompasses an album, a multi-part short film, and an elaborate tour. For help, he's enlisted a truly mind-bending array of talent, ranging from Kenny G and Snoop Dogg to Taylor Goldsmith of the folk rock band Dawes, the One Voice Children's Choir, and even the talented folks at the Jim Henson Creature Shop. The album's due out March 11th, but he's already dropped the first three songs, or chapters as he thinks of them. All are imbued with his infectious optimism. Dream On, the opening track, urges listeners to reconnect with their childhood ambitions and offers a welcome reminder that it's never too late to live your dreams. Supernatural, which features Grammy Award-winning jazz icon Dave Koz, is an exuberant meditation on the magic and mysteries of music. Then there's Living My Best Life, a surprising title for a song written in the midst of global lockdown, but its thankfulness is sincere. In fact, it's a necessary lesson in gratitude for even small things, like sunrises, family, and yes, even Ottomans. I'm so happy to welcome the truly delightful Ben Rector. I hope you enjoy our conversation.
Me. Your latest album is called The Joy of Music. Now, this isn't just an album. This is a whole, a whole extravaganza, a whole production. We've got a record, a short film, and hopefully a, a tour on the horizon. Hugely ambitious. How did this all come together? You know, um, it's the first time that instead of kind of doing a lot of things at once, I was really just being creative. Because like as stuff has you know moved forward, there hasn't been a time where I was ever truly off. Even in seasons where I wasn't like, quote unquote, on tour, I was still doing one-offs and that kind of stuff. And so uh, when the pandemic happened, my wife and I also had twin boys a year and a half ago, which is just a total cluster. It's, it is oh, insanity. <laughs> So, I mean, we were, we were like full on, like not doing anything. And so uh, I, I have for the first time had the ability to just like really focus on creativity with no agenda. It wasn't like, ah, I got to get this done because the tour is coming up. And so what ended up happening was I kind of got to re- return to why I started making music in the first place. And like that kind of kept growing on itself and then looked up and there's like, we're doing a short film and you know, all of that kind of stuff. So really, man, it it was just like for the first time I got to be a kid again with no (laughs) expectations. And I was also like, man, like this is my like one wild and precious life. Let's just like do something crazy and fun. Because I've it's been, I've done it for a long time professionally and it can be easy to lose a little bit of that like kind of spark. And then also honestly to be afraid of failing because like once the ball is rolling, you're like, I could mess this up. Like this could go poorly. I could look stupid. So I was just like, I don't want to look back when I'm 60 and be like, oh, I was real nervous. So I didn't do stuff. I was like, we're making the movie. We're doing all this stuff. Why not? You know what I mean? Oh, totally right on. I mean, I'm, I'm so interested in, in the film component. I, I went to film school myself in addition to being a huge music fan. So mm-hmm. the intersection of those two things is really interesting to me. Did the music dictate kind of where the narrative would go? Or was there a story you wanted to tell and no. just using music to help the narrative along? That's a great question. Um, it really, everything kind of like congealed together and grew together. Nothing was really like, this is what everything's going to be about. And I kind of found the common thread in the songs I was writing of joy, but I wasn't like, and I'm going to make like a giant red character and make a movie about it. It was just kind of like, uh, I think one of the earlier songs in this batch of songs called Supernatural, which is like kind of like fun, like saxophone. It's, it's kind of crazy. And I was like, dude, I should totally dance to this song, which I am terrified of, like <laughs> mortified. I don't like dancing at weddings. I'm just like, ah, I don't, that's not my thing. And so that's I was why like, I became a wedding DJ because I, mean, I was like, I, I need a function at weddings that's not on the dance floor. Okay, I'm going to get behind this thing. Okay, to- good. totally. And so, but I, I just like deep inside, I was like, the music video for this has to be dancing. Like it just has to be because there's no other way to do it. And I think like that kind of like, started the ball rolling and I kind of springboarded off of those ideas and the idea just kind of grew. And like, you know, as anything creative goes, you start sort of like building a contraption and then you kind of like build another room to it and a back door into it and whatever. It really was all together. It wasn't like everything is this narrative. And as, as, as things got more honed in, uh, you know, it became clear what it was going to be. Oh, it's so cool. I mean, I, well, first of all, I do also want to say, you know, when it's very apparent when you look at me that I don't want to dance, that did not come across <laughs> looking at you. So I just, it just from, from one non dancer to another, I want to say you looked great. But hey, um, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I it was, it's embarrassing how hard I tried. I like, I worked really hard to look that average. I really did. <laughs> average is what we shoot for. I, I totally get that. Oh man! I mean, so you, you mentioned the 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 red character. I mean, you got to work with, uh, my understanding at least, a, a group of 
really heroes of mine, the Jim Henson Creature Shop. Uh, what was that like? So uh, it was totally insane. And this is, I mean, like so much of the last year of my life has been this, where I'm just like, what if we asked XYZ person or group to be a part of this? And people kept saying yes, which is incredible. So <clears throat> I kind of started thinking it would be cool to have kind of like a, almost a mascot, like a, a lovable giant character to embody joy, which is what the record is about. And um, obviously, Henson Creature Shop is the best in the world at making that stuff. Talk to them. And I was like, man, I don't know if we can really pull this off. It's, you know, the lead time is intense. It's pretty expensive. Talked to some other people, learned a lot about building mascots and realized that Henson was the only group that could do it. Um, and what actually happened is crazy. And, you know, I don't know if you'll pick up what I'm putting down here, but basically... The whole deal with joy is that joy is like a real thing. It's like nobody made it. And so what really happened with Henson was uh, we start making it. I did some sketches. Their guy did sketches. They start building this huge contraption. And then we look up towards the end and they're like, this is going to be too hard to do. But you know what's really crazy? There's a guy that looks just like this and he lives in Nashville. You should just give him a call. His name is Joy. And I was like, that's insane. I wish you would have just told me that up front. <laughs> and so end up calling Joy. He lived in Murfreesboro and now he's in the videos. But Henson did help me kind of cast cast Joy, if you will. You know what I mean? I, I, I do know what you mean. There is, uh, I don't know if, if winks really translate in audio, but um, yeah, hopefully to folks listening right there. I think, I think they'll get it. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it it looks so good. I, mean, I know you recently had sort of a combo uh, listening party and premiere for uh, yeah. the record and the film at the uh, at the Franklin Theater in Tennessee. What was the response there to that? Oh man, it it was it was just like such an enjoyable experience, um, and it, it it has felt crazy to me that I've been sitting on. You know, if anybody listening is like, I have no idea who who you are, which is totally fine. This is all pretty out of the box for me, and so I've been sitting on all of this for like you know almost a year feeling just like, I can't believe we're doing this. And so to get to share it in its like full form with people and just get to watch them experience it was just like such a pleasure for me. And usually like if I'm playing a show, I enjoy it, but it's pretty intense. Like I'm like really in it, trying not to mess up. I'm pretty aware of like a lot of stuff. And this was so fun just to get to watch people see it. And like other people will have that experience at some point, but with what social media is and with, with what streaming is, we can't just dump, you know, a 30-minute short film onto Instagram. That's just not going to work. You kind of have to, like, meter it out. So it was really special for me knowing that, like, we weren't going to get to experience it like that again for a while. And to get to, like, watch it in a movie theater and listen to the record, it was just, like, so incredible. And it was, like, felt like the, the everything coming to fruition, all these crazy ideas I'd had for the past year to get to, like, watch people experience, it was really special. Oh, that's got to be a peak moment. I mean, it was speaking cool. of of doing these things live, I mean, what's the live component going to look like? I'm almost picturing like those big review shows like Joe Cocker and Mad Dogs and Englishmen or the Ike and Tina Turner Review or, or something like that. How's it going to go? Totally. So, and it's, it's a little bit of a bummer because like what I really wanted to do was totally um, blend the aesthetic of the short film, which a lot of it is shot in this like large psych space like a it looks like an infinity wall it's like curved white walls where it looks like you're in space and if we were in theaters this time it'd be easy because we would just take like a huge backdrop that's white and curve it to the stage but we're playing a lot of outdoor venues and you can't do that because of wind it'll blow mm-hmm. back and forth and so i kind of am embracing like one of the early models i had for some of the aesthetics of the record was like visually was like 
Lawrence Welk show or whatever, kind of like the old, <laughs> yeah. like kind of funny, whatever. And so we started, we started to work on like the lighting designs and stuff. And I think it will just be like a big classic show. We're not going to bring out for a second. It was like, are we going to do video wall? And I feel like every tour that's going out right now has video wall. And then the real deal is like, you have to make so much content to use it correctly. And I was just like, I just want to put on a great show and not have it just be like, watch this movie again. Um, so basically, it'll be like pretty classic concert lighting. We'll have a couple cool tricks. Like we're going to make, you know, that thing in New York, it's like people kind of hate it. It's, it says uh, with love. It's like the red letters. Um, oh, it's like yeah, a sculpture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're making like essentially the the font and like logo of the album into a giant red sign and it'll like pop up behind us. So it'll be like a big, like physical thing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh man. That's all. I mean, I'm thinking about, uh, you see the, what was it called? The summer of soul. I think it was that concert that was up in Harlem in 69. That oh, yes. just yeah, yeah, made yeah, yeah, a, yeah. yeah. That great, like kind of rainbowy backdrop and everything. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, man. Oh, I love those classic, uh, classic, performance backdrops and stuff it's, oh, it's so cool and it's such a, it's like such a specific like character and vibe that you can kind of like tap into I, that's yeah. always been important to me is to like <clears throat> i feel like when something feels familiar it like sort of like sneaks around the gatekeeper of like what you're, you're like oh i know this you know what i mean it, it it's feels a shortcut. like your childhood yeah totally and i i, yeah. I love that feeling so yeah Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Uh, 
earlier this month in January, you you released, I think, three singles all at once. Yep. Uh, I think they were the first three tracks of the album. Uh, right. What made you choose those three? Were they sort of like the first three chapters in a book in a way? Yeah, or? yeah so basically, and it's so funny, man. I feel like in the past year, two years, it just feels like nobody knows how to release music anymore. <laughs> There's people <clears throat> surprise dropping albums. There's people releasing a song a month for like 24 months. Like, I don't, it's, changing rapidly. So basically my whole thing was like, okay, you have to, in streaming, no matter how good the songs are, if you dump too many songs at once onto a platform, the first X amount are going to get a bunch of streams. And over the next like few years, the last few songs are just going to be like way less. And I didn't want to do that. But also this record is a record. It's like a whole thing. And I didn't want to just be like, here's one song. Enjoy it. Here's another song. So basically, basically, out of context too. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, like I, I wanted to like create a little bit of context to let people know, like, hey, like these are kind of the foul poles of the record. It's like this is we're going this far this way, this far that way. And kind of like to let them know, like, hey, this is a different thing than I've done before. Get excited about it. Um, so yeah, it's it's the first three songs in order on the album. And the short film is actually the first six songs in order. It's like one, two, three, four, five, six, and then the last song. But it's like if you just watch the film straight through, it's those songs. So the first three songs of the record are almost like the first half of the short film. I was really taken by uh, by the song "Supernatural," which is you know about those beautiful moments and connections and occurrences that feel part of something greater, a bigger mm. force or a, yep. a grand plan. I want yeah. to ask you, is there a supernatural element to songwriting? You hear a lot of artists say that, you know, it's a lot of cases, they don't know where the melodies come from. They don't know where the song comes from. It's just, you're plugged into something. Is that I, how it works for you? I, I think, so everybody that I've met that I admire who does like creative work sustainably at a high level, it feels like there is that sort of magical supernatural, like something just like lightning strikes you and it's just like stuff's happening. But it also feels like you have to pair that with almost like a professional sports like approach where I think a lot of people view creativity as this only magical thing. It's like, yeah, man, you just wait around and lightning strikes and you're weirdly attuned to that. But man, like everybody, like I said, everybody I've met that I like really admire after you push past whatever like veneer they have past that is like a professional athlete. And they're like, I write every day. I'm like deep into this. And so I think it is both like anytime I'm just trying to grind it out and nothing's happening. I usually need to step back a little bit, but anytime I'm waiting around too much that dies out too. So to me, like I always treat it when I'm home, like a job, like I write five days a week all the time. I'm just like trying to sharpen my tools so that when I do get a lightning strike, I can carve out exactly what it's supposed to be with no loss. So like, it's a little bit of both for me. And there definitely are moments. There's a number on this record that we're just like, wow, that just like plopped out of thin air. But for every one of those, I'm just like sitting right here at this keyboard, just like writing for a long time every day. And so that's a pattern that I've seen replicated with a bunch of successful people. And I haven't run into that many people that are like, no, man, I don't do it like that at all. And there are different approaches kind of, but like to me, it ends up kind of being like a sport where it's like you could look at Tiger Woods or Bill Mickelson or whoever and be like, you're just so gifted. And they're probably like, I mean, kind of, but also like I'm just pounding golf balls, man. So it's a little bit of both for me and for a lot of people, I think. What's that line? I think it was Jack Nicholas, the golfer, who said, uh, yeah, the more I practice, the luckier, luckier I get. I get. That's <laughs> yeah. right, man. 
<laughs> and that's and, and and it really is true because like I think a lot of that stuff that feels like it's just coming out of thin air is actually like just your reflexes kind of like stepping into what's happening where like and 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 there definitely definitely is a very real kind of like strange otherworldly thing where it's just like I have no idea why something would just like plop out of nowhere that happens but it usually doesn't happen a lot to people that aren't working on it like it might lightning might strike someone once and if they're not really working on it probably never going to strike again you know what i mean you just got to pave those neural pathways yeah that's right that's right did, did you read i mean i'm a absolutely ridiculous beatles nerd so please shut me up at any point did you read uh, the new paul mccartney lyrics book where he goes i think he picks something like 150 of his songs ha i have that book right behind me yeah, and man. the steve turner one too yeah uh, okay, so I got that book for Christmas, the one you're talking about. I haven't read it yet, but I it's did like 1500 just... 1,500 pages, yeah. I know. I did just finish Get Back, though, probably three or four days ago. So the Beatles are my favorite band. I'm just all about it. I love that you are too. Uh, but I, I, haven't, I haven't, haven't dove into that book yet, but I want to. It's sitting on my shelf staring at me. I mean, what did you think of Get Back in terms of... I, 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 a lot of people, I, I, I play music, I don't write it. But for people that I know who do write it, they I've heard a lot of people say that there's never been a more uh, honest depiction of the creative process than Get to- Back. To- totally. I think, so man, I have so many thoughts on Get Back, uh, but I would distill them to like, I definitely feel like that's real where it's, and, and in a weird way, I think people that don't, maybe don't write songs all the time are probably like, this is magical. I can't believe I'm watching it. And it was almost frustrating for me because I'm like, <laughs> close the loop. You're right yeah. there. Just keep going. And like, it was interesting to see how um, loose they are with everything. Like, mm. so just like still kind of learning the chords, still kind of figuring stuff, like very vast changes from take to take. And now everything is so like dialed in. But I feel like I... I feel bad saying this, but I wanted to be like, someone just be like, focus guys, just 10 <laughs> minutes. Stop playing other stuff. Just like really try to finish this. Um, I think it was a very accurate depiction. So cool to see, you know, let it be come together here. McCartney doing like the long and winding road. And then it was also unpopular take kind of interesting to see some of it and be like, this isn't that great. Like it's, it's great. It's great because it's the Beatles. Right. It, it it's great because you're seeing history, but I always think if you removed the context from it and you were like, hey, like this isn't the Beatles, like these are my buddies from Des Moines. What do you think of this song? I'd be like, it's fine, I guess. Like kind of a cool vibe and very few moments of that, but it was crazy to see like, you know, all time great songs next to some songs. You're like, that's fine. That's okay. Um, but I, I loved getting to see it and I loved getting to see just how accidental and how like loose they were with it. That's like a good thing for me to learn. Yeah, I mean, keeping that element of fun, I feel like. I'd be really interested to see like a, a, a sociologist's take or, a, or, a, or rather a psychologist's take on like interpersonal dynamics at play and creativity and how that goes hand in hand. And, and I think realistically, man, I, I think that's for me as a creative person, the, my biggest takeaway from the whole thing was like, hey, the importance of always including fun and like inspiration and leaving room for stuff to grow because I can tend to want to like tighten things up like like let's sew this thing together and they're just like we're not even going to finish this we're going to play this other dumb song 
And some of that left the door open for cool stuff to happen. And I mean, obviously, they're, they're the best band of all time, like something to learn from that. I mean, it, in a lot of ways, it, it, it brings you back to your record, the joy of music. I mean, has has the last two years now, I guess I got to say, has that, I feel like where we've all been forced to sort of take our joy where we can find it. Totally. Um, has it uh, changed the relationship to music in any way the past Man, like, two years? This is going to sound so like kumbaya and silly, but like it, it has fundamentally changed my relationship with music because I think I was, I was pretty burned out. Like I'm so thankful to get to do this as a job and thankful that anybody cares about the music that I make. But, there have been a lot of times where just the reality of like so much travel, so much pressure, so much like managing of different people and different things just kind of put it, put me in a place where I was like, I had accepted, like I may never feel like I felt when I was like 18 about this again, but I'll enjoy the parts of it I can. And for the first time in the last, you know, couple years, maybe the last 18 months, I feel like I was able to stumble back into that where I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm doing this because I love it. And I'm like excited to wake up every morning and to work on this. And I feel almost no fear of failure. I'm just like, let's just do this. Let's make something that's just like wonderful and beautiful for people to enjoy. And I, if you had asked me that question three years ago, like, could I feel like that? I'd be like, nah, man, you can only feel like that when you're just starting out. And it's been such like a beautiful journey for me because that's not I'm super pessimistic. I'm pretty critical. Like, really? Yeah, totally. And so that's it. It was so fun to get to just like uh, jump into like the pool, like head first, and be like, "Yeah, dude, let's do this." Like, it was really, really enjoyable for me. I am, uh, given what I know of you and your music and the songs on this record, I I'm surprised to hear you say that you you're pessimistic. I mean, you've got the track uh, "Living My Best Life" on there, which again was not something. I mean, hear, hearing that title out of context is not something that you would imagine uh, would have been written uh, in lockdown. But I know it's real. I mean, if, right. l- listen to the lyrics; it comes from a genuine place for you. It sounds like yeah, and I kind of what it, what I like about that is like I feel like. Um, there are some artists who can just be like, stand back and watch me be like so cool and look at like how like mysterious and awesome I am. I don't really have that like card to play. That's just, I'm, that's not something I'm good at. But I am like, hey, maybe I have a unique viewpoint of being a pretty normal person. But like, I don't hear a lot of people talking about that stuff in pop music. And that's really like a large portion of our lives is not like mountaintop experience are not mountaintop experiences. They're just kind of like finding peace where we can, finding joy where we can. And so living my best life for me was a celebration of like, honestly, a hard season. Like Hillary and I are raising three tiny children in lockdown. That's brutal. And so it was kind of like a weird realization for me. I was like, the happiest that I've been as an adult has been in the past two years. And if you zoomed out and you showed someone like, game film of my life. And it was like, hey, well, he's on a tour bus right now and playing on TV and concerts and all this exciting stuff. And now he's like changing diapers and walking the neighborhood with the kids. Where do you think he's happier? Everybody would be like on the tour bus. But in reality, it was weird to see that like my me living my best life is actually like being in a routine, being a dad, like getting to work on stuff that I love. And so like, I, it was sort of like a weird backdoor into that concept where I feel like people usually mean it in sort of a mountaintop way. And I'm like, hey, actually, weirdly, I think for a lot of us, our best life is probably like found where we are and not in like some aspirational thing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's something that I feel like 
you know, those some people spend their whole lives and they don't get to that place of, <laughs> totally. of acceptance too. I mean, that's that that's a reason for joy right there. Totally. Oh man, I mean, it, it really does. It comes across in so many places on this record. I mean, I, I, as you said, I mean, you haven't been able to really sit still since you were what eighteen, yeah. Too. So I mean, just I'm glad to hear that it was a fruitful time for you creatively because it really seems like you know you went into overdrive. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Thanks, and I feel like your 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 your, your questions are wonderful. I'm like, oh, oh you're, just, <laughs> you're you're very good at this. Well, thank you. Well, you, I, it's a, a pleasure to talk to you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Some of the things I want to ask you, I mean, I guess a big one is, you know, who are some people who uh, ins- taught you about the joy of music? I mean, you uh, you mentioned the Beatles, obviously. Who are some other folks, either in your life or just composers that you admire? Yeah. So I feel like this is always a funny question because I feel like what most musicians usually do is like reach for the most obscure stuff that you've like never heard of. And they're like, oh, I was all about Lightning Hopkins. No, no knock on Lightning <laughs> Sun Hopkins. Sun Ra, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and and I, I think that's genuine for a lot of people. But there's a lot of people that I listen to. I don't want to be like, you listened to Jack Johnson when you were 16. I know that. Like, I, I know that you did that. So I, my, my, I'll give my like honest, not trying to be cool guy answer. I did listen to a lot of oldies music, but not like super obscure. There was an oldies radio station in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I grew up that was like a lot of 70s music. It was like, imagine that station. That's what it was. Like Three Dog Night, Doobie Brothers, Chicago, etc. That stuff. And then when I learned a little bit more about music, I started really liking kind of that era and a little bit before then of singer-songwriters. So like James Taylor, Billy Joel. I love the Beatles. Those would probably be like Desert Island Records for me, but I also just really liked like any kind of like fun pop music. Like I think I, I to me, it's almost like a haiku or like Swedish design or something where it's like mm. minimal, but really good. Everything has a place. And so like 
a lot of like anything Max Martin has ever done, I'm just like, wow, dude, just like he is like a, a poet pretty much. And I understand that's a specific kind of art. And I like a lot of weird stuff too. Like I, I dig like deep musical stuff. But for the stuff that I write, I, I tend to like sort of accessible stuff. And so I would say my influences and places that I find joy musically would probably be 60s and 70s era singer-songwriters. And then also like, I like, you know, some pop music uh, just kind of depends. And not not everything, um, but I dig that. And I mean, I, I like jazz stuff too. I like hip hop. Like I, I kind of like a lot of stuff, but I always want to make a point to answer that question honestly and be like, well, there's this guy from... 1914, and he recorded on the wax turntable. That's like, no, I don't do that. You know what I mean? I only listen to my music in cylinders. That's <laughs> like, that's where the best stuff comes from. Yeah. That's it, man. No, I mean, but the, the, there's a craft to that. I mean, I know I am, I'm sounding like, you know, angry old man here, but, you know, all that Brill building stuff. I mean, they would, would, I mean, it's what, what you're saying about how, like, you know, you, you approach it every day, whether you want to or not, five days a week. They would show mm-hmm. up and, you know, Goffin and King would bang out, Will You Love Me Tomorrow? Or, yeah. you know, I mean, all the people that work with Phil Spector and all the Wall of Sound guys, um, whose names I'm, I'm embarrassingly blanking on right now. But, um, yeah, it, it's so that, that era is so interesting to me because it, it, it was... Um, I guess it was just melody first and as opposed yep. to now where you can have all, you can build a song around cool sounds or a cool hook maybe. Yeah. And, and, and I, I'll, I'm so interested to see where music will go in the next like 10 years. Cause I feel like if you zoom way, way out, we've essentially continually removed as much nuance as we can, where it's like it used to be <laughs> classical music where it's like, you know, a hundred instruments and all sorts of crazy chordal movements and stuff. And then like, you know, whatever, standards and jazz and then like 60s, 70s stuff, 80s, 90s, 2000s. And now like, and I I'm, I do not necessarily associate less nuance with like less artistic quality. But on some level, I'm like, we kind of got to get more nuanced again because there's some stuff where there's like, truly like we've, we've distilled it to like a rhythm and a lyric. And I'm just so interested to see like where it will go from here because like I am almost like, I don't know if it could get any more condensed and I'm fascinated to see like where it will grow. And not, and not to say that all, that's not all music. That's not whatever. But I think even if you just like charted out songs, like if you looked at like the top 10 songs of the year and go back every year, you're going to see a graph. That's like, there's like less complication quarterly for sure. And again, I'm not saying that's good or bad, but it's just interesting to wonder where that will go. You know? Oh, absolutely. I, I was lucky enough to speak to, uh, do you know the, the social media account, Dust the Digital? Yeah, I follow. Yeah, oh, awesome. he's amazing. I was, I was lucky enough to speak to the, the guy who runs it, who's a, an archivist in, uh, I think he's out of Georgia. And he was talking about a theory that him and his friend were kind of mulling over about how every 30 years, you kind of get a new dominant genre, dominant force in music. I mean, starting mm-hmm. with jazz in the 20s to rock and roll in the 50s to hip-hop in around, around 1980. Yeah. And then they got to 2010 and they were trying to figure out, well, what is it? What's right. the new? And they said, well, it's everything with a capital E. You know, it's just, <laughs> it, it's it's all because of streaming services and everything that it, you now kind of have access to everything and all so many sounds like, what's that group? A uh, hundred Gex and stuff where it's just yeah. like everything they do just sounds like a mashup in a way. Um it, 
I thought that was an interesting point of view. I mean, even just, I mean, thinking about the, the joy of music. I mean, I, I'm, I haven't checked this, but I'm hard pressed to name another album that would have a gospel choir, Kenny G and Snoop Dogg on it. I mean, just the different, I'm just blown away by how stylistically varied it is. I mean, is that when you're working, do you hear those arrangements in your head when you're beginning to, to craft out a song at the piano or, or wherever it is you are, I imagine the piano, or, or do you just think, you know what, I've done a music in this style. I'm going to try to do this song in this style over here because I've never done that. It's, it's, it, it, yeah, it's usually kind of, um, at this point when I'm writing, I'm kind of like arranging at the same time. And the guy that I work with, usually our workflow is kind of like, um, he'll sort of let me run with the ball, like, wherever I want to go. He's super fast and super talented. And if I ever get stuck, I'm like, Hey, like, what do you think about this? Um, but generally like if I'm, as soon as I'm writing, I'm kind of like, um, like the, the voice memo I have when I started writing best life was like me beatboxing and singing kind of with the implied chords under it. And so it's like immediately from that drum groove and from those chords, it's going to be kind of Motown East. So like I'm coming in with a pretty like, Hey, these sounds, this palette, this instrumentation, um, and obviously sometimes, anytime you bring an idea like into physical reality, there's like a little bit of loss, and so you're like, oh, this didn't work the way I thought it did, so you know we'll switch it up a little bit. But yeah, I usually am kind of arranging um, while I'm writing in my head, um, and with all the stuff you mentioned, like the features on the record or whatever. Really, I was just doing like whatever sounded like the most fun like i was chasing inspiration and when i was working on sunday immediately i was just like i want snoop dogg to be on this song i don't know if he's gonna say yes but he would just be so perfect and like obviously there's like that's cool and could maybe be helpful to do a song with snoop dogg but for me it was really just like it would just be so fun if he could do that and the same kenny g was the first feature that we got on the record and that was as i was Writing that song, the sax hook was a piano line. And I was like, let's like mock that in with the saxophone. And um, we had a guy actually play it. And then I was like, dude, what if we got Kenny G to play on this? And he was the nicest guy in the world, like the coolest guy ever. But with all that stuff, it was just like, I, it was never like, uh, I'm going to come up with something to see if I can get this person on the record. It was like, we've got a sax part on this song now. Kenny G would be the most awesome sax player to get. Let's try to get him. Um, that's just kind of how that stuff came together. And part of, the, part of the joy of making the record was usually I'll have to block out time to record. I'll play shows and stuff. And I'll be like, okay, in two months, I'm going to go record. With this, since John and I were both just home, he lives in Minneapolis, John Fields. Um, when I would start writing a song and felt like I was onto something, I'd text him and I'd be like, Hey man, like, can you work right now? And he'd be like, yeah. And so like in 30 minutes, we're on zoom sharing the pro Tools screen, recording the song like that fast. So that it, it was like start to finish. Like, you know, there were a couple songs that from like concept to like fully done was like 36 hours or something. Like we could just like chase right after it. And not all of it were like that, but instead of having to like, keep all of that in your head and then go try to do it all at once. It was basically just riding the same wave of writing and production, which was super fun for me because I got to like be in each place and finish it. You know what I mean? Yeah, just keep that spontaneity to it too, totally. I imagine. 
Wow. I mean, I speaking of uh, of features, I got a fanboy for a moment over Steve Winwood, who was on your track over the summer Range Rover. That overloaded Hammond sound he had on all those Spencer Davis records, that is just the best. I've been trying to chase that for years. That So that was my dad listened to Steve Winwood when I was growing up. And when I was like probably 10, I was kind of like, oh, this is like dad music, whatever. <laughs> And when I got a little older, I was like, no, this is actually Steve Winwood is like one of the best musicians ever. But I didn't know until I was in college that he was on Give Me Some Love and the Spencer Davis group. And when I learned that, that he did that as a teenager, that's what catapulted him in my mind from being like, you're like super awesome to being like, you're like one of the most awesome ever. And so exact same thing happened with that, where I was just like, you know, in, the de- in that writing demo... I knew we needed a little bit more of a lift, couldn't figure out what it was. And I was like, man, it really would be great to get some B3. Um, and I was like, kind of starting the theme of like doing things that I think would be fun just because they're fun. I was like, what if we got Steve Winwood to play B3? And so he did it. It was incredible. He sent me like a video of himself being like, thanks for putting me on that record, Ben. I was like, no. Oh my God! Yes. Uh, but it was it, it was just like such a fun moment for me, and like I I've seen him in concert, and he's actually mentioned in the song, which is kind of why we thought it'd be cool to have him. But he's mentioned in the song because I wore a tour T-shirt that I bought when I saw him in concert at the Ryman, and we were looking for lyrics, and one of the guys saw my shirt, and he was like, uh, "Steve Winwood," and I was just like, "Yeah, totally." that was born the whole that line in the song was born out of me just like being a fan which is super fun <laughs> oh man oh, he's the best what a what a moment for you i mean you know it's, it's we were talking about earlier i mean having those people when we're growing up that really inspire us and then being able to like work alongside them as Dude. peers is that's the best there's you know nothing more needs to be said that's the best no, that to- is to- totally man and, and it really was like that was just like such a gift and it was so fun and i honestly man i haven't put this together that might have been the start of realizing for me being like, dude, I should just do some more stuff that is fun because it's fun. Because I think for a while I took music so seriously that it felt like fun, like didn't have, we didn't have room for fun anymore. It's like all this other stuff is more important. And I realized then it was like, oh no, there's value just to doing something because it is fun and enjoyable. And I honestly, dude, that probably was the start of like the theme of the record. I have not thought about that before. But yeah, that was literally, because I mean like, I love Steve Winwood and it's cool, but it's not like the song's going to get a billion streams because Steve Winwood played Hammond on it. It's just more like that's like fun for me and like a person like you who loves Steve Winwood. Um, and just like feeling that sort of joy in that moment being like, oh, that's worth pursuing. That's yeah, that, I think that's probably where some of that started. That's cool. I mean, yeah, the album opens with with Dream On and it, you know, urges people to stay in touch with that person that was filled with passion years ago that led them down whatever path they decided to pursue. If it's music, if it's golf, if it's accounting, if it's yeah. carpentry, if it's whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. How how what is it that keeps you dreaming? I think um I think I'm probably in my best headspace and like most apt to like look forward to or dream about something when I'm like grateful, when I have a, maybe a spirit of gratitude. Cause I feel like, especially for my job, I think sometimes, you know, quote unquote dreams can start to get mixed in with like aspirations, which is nothing wrong hmm. with that. But like that can kind of muddy the waters where it's like, um, at this point, 
enough stuff has happened that I thought would never happen that I kind of realized that like, oh, that's never going to like, you're never going to be able to do enough. It'll be like, I'm satisfied. I did it. And I think when you start looking too much, like I feel this now with three of the songs being out and you're like, oh, I have to remember like just exist in a place of gratitude because it can be easy to be like, oh, like, uh, are the, are the playlists, is the playlist thing good enough? Like, is this happening enough? Whatever. I really want to make sure it does good. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, but it can really quickly spiral into a place where you're like, your dreams are maybe not so much like things that are inspiring you or like propelling you forward and are more like, it's like achievement based. So I think probably for me, I am like best at dreaming or like pursuing something when I'm like at peace and thankful for where I am. Um, cause, and again, there's nothing wrong with goals or anything or like those types of dreams. I just have never found that that's been like a super long-term satisfying place for me to be. And maybe for some other people it is, it just hasn't been for me. I mean, you watch enough behind the music and E2 Hollywood stories. You hear enough over and over again, these people that, you know, I, I, I got the Oscar, I got the Grammy, I did what I set out to do. And that, that wasn't it. That's not totally. where it with a capital I, I guess, comes from. There's something else. And I guess gratitude's probably, you know, a, a good word as any, if you could sum it up with one word. Yeah, and I think honestly, man, like, I think people sort of understand that, but I don't, I, you know, I understand that. And sometimes I still don't totally believe it. But to me, it's not any more complicated than like, if that were true, then people who have achieved great things would be happy. Like, it'd just be <laughs> like, yep, like just generally, the goal, all the gold medal, medal winners, just happy as clams the rest of their life. And it's just like, that's just like fundamentally not the case. And I think to me, it's like, but it's fine to like use that information. You're like, yeah. it seems, seems true because every single person who's achieved stuff says it and their life is reflective of that. So it's like probably okay to make that assumption, you know? Oh, absolutely. I think we can all learn something from that. I think that's a, a beautiful note to end on, but I am I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your time today, your incredibly thoughtful answers, and of course, your music. Thank you so much for just all the warmth and positivity coming from you today. It's been such a joy talking to you. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for the great questions. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside the Studio, a production of iHeartRadio. For more episodes of Inside the Studio or other fantastic shows, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at FisherHomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.